Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 4th of October, 2021, 28th of Tishrei, 5782. The high holiday season is officially over now. The next holiday on the horizon isn't until Hanukkah in about seven weeks or so. Hope you enjoyed all of the joyous festivals, Sukkot, Simchat Torah, and everything else. It's been a while since we have spoken, but thank God, doing well, coming to you here after the holidays, as they say, after the holidays, coming to you this morning from a beautiful day in Gush and Zion, just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the Jewish people. Don't forget, you can get in touch with me during the week, Josh at thelandofisrael.com, Joshua Haston on Facebook, or Josh Haston in Israel Advocacy and Journalism, Twitter at Josh Haston, and on Instagram as well. Now, since we haven't spoken, and I think it's been about three weeks, just the way it worked out this year, that all the holidays started on uh, Mondays, Monday evenings, so I did not have a chance to put together any podcasts over the last couple of weeks. There's some things that happened uh, a little while ago that I want to discuss because they are still relevant, even though technically they are not top story in today's newspapers. And the first thing I'd like to discuss is the Iron Dome defense system. So if you recall, I think it was about 10 days or so ago, the squad, the extreme Democrats in Congress, progressives as they call themselves, they revolted at the inclusion of the Iron Dome funding in an emergency spending bill, threatening to shut down the government. This is actually in the New York Times. Very rare that I, that I quote the New York Times. Threatening to shut down the government rather than support the money. Democratic leaders were forced to strip it out of that bill, which passed the House. Uh, this was, I think, two weeks ago and arrange a separate vote to approve the Iron Dome money. So originally you had this spending bill, and as a result of the pressure there of the squad, the anti-Israel, anti-Jewish squad as they are known, the Iron Dome was not included in that bill. However, a few days later, the House overwhelmingly approved a $1 billion bill and new funding for Israel's defensive Iron Dome missile defense system. And then you had the images of AOC crying when the new funding was approved, which is insane because for her to cry at that is essentially saying that she is sad that more Jews won't be killed as a result of Hamas rockets from Gaza. That's really what she's saying. You can spin it any way you want. The fact is that she openly weeped at the fact that the Iron Dome bill passed shows just what kind of a sick and twisted individual she is. In her view, and unfortunately, many people like her, only a, only a dead Jew is a good Jew. Okay, and we've seen that for thousands of years, and AOC is, is no different. So again, this squad tried to defund Iron Dome, and they failed. And then you had the tears from AOC. Now, here's my take on the Iron Dome. 
Okay. And by the way, the Iron Dome, I've seen in action like over my head, shooting down rockets literally over my head and saving lives. I've seen it more than once from all the work I've done down in Sderot. And I'm all for saving lives in Israel with the Iron Dome. However, I am seeing more and more leaders here in Israel saying that if it weren't for Iron Dome, Israel would have to respond more forcefully to attacks and that would result in more lives being lost. Again, if we didn't have Iron Dome, more Jews in Israel would be hurt or injured or, God forbid, killed. And therefore, Iron Dome is good because it means that Israel does not have to respond as forcefully. In other words, these leaders are saying, even if Hamas fires hundreds of rockets, because of Iron Dome and less casualties, which of course less casualties is good, Israel's response will be weaker. Now this logic lets Hamas off the hook. Okay, now while I am against Israel sending in troops on the ground to Gaza to fight Hamas, especially on behalf of Mahmoud Abbas or the PA, an Israeli reaction to rocket fire should not be based on the success or failure of the Iron Dome to shoot down rockets. Every single rocket which sends Israelis to the bomb shelters causes trauma for men, women, and especially children. Every rocket should be dealt with with serious force, regardless of Iron Dome, with the goal of creating a real deterrence. Regardless of if there were zero casualties or lo alenu, it should never happen to us multiple casualties. The bottom line here, folks, one rocket is one too many, whether or not the Iron Dome shoots down or not. The response to one rocket should ensure that there isn't a second rocket. It is time to change our mentality here. Okay, we can be grateful for the Iron Dome's protection, of course, God's protection above all. We can be grateful for the Iron Dome's protection, but let's not get into this situation where we are saying, well, since no one was hurt, Iron Dome did its job, and therefore we don't have to respond forcefully in Gaza. I think that's a, a skewed and a and a uh, just a bad mentality to have, that Israel's response. If we know, let's say today, that there are rocket uh, and missile batteries aimed at Israel, we should take them out before Hamas fires them. If we know that there's a weapons smuggling tunnel, we shouldn't wait until an escalation or until some civilians or soldiers, God forbid, are, are injured or captured or who knows what. We should take them out now. Some people will say, well, that's a provocative action. I'd rather have a provocative action than having Israeli children run for their lives to the bomb shelters time and time again and then saying everything's fine because we have this band-aid known as Iron Dome. Again, I'm not speaking out against Iron Dome, but let's be real. It's not a solution. It is a band-aid. And we eventually we're gonna ha- are going to have to deal with Hamas. Okay, The same Hamas, which in Judea and Samaria has been increasing their operations, increasing their attacks 
They're the same organization. We have to stop differenti- differentiating between Hamas in Gaza and in Judea and Samaria. They're the same evil terror group, which has murdered hundreds of Jews, hundreds of Israelis. Of course, Fatah is not much better. I would even argue that Fatah is even worse because Fatah claims that they are peace partners and then they go out and support uh, the murder of Jews via their pay-to-slay program. So that's my take on Iron Dome. I've been holding that in now, I guess, for several weeks, but I think it's an important issue. And I think we really have to change our logic and our thought process when dealing with the threats from Gaza with or without any U.S. funding for Iron Dome. Speaking of the U.S., this also came out several days ago. The Vice President of the United States, this reported by Israel Wired, and it was seen all over the place, uh, Kamala Harris praises, this is the headline, praises anti-Semitic student who falsely accuses Israel of genocide. Did you see this video? Kamala Harris, Vice President of the United States, she was in a some sort of classrooms uh, in, uh, setting. And here you had this university student accusing Israel of carrying out genocide against the Arabs here, spreading, uh, spreading a blood libel against Israel. And as this student is spewing this hatred, this anti-Semitic hatred, the vice president of the United States is nodding in agreement. And her response... Her initial response was to the student, your truth cannot be suppressed. Instead of saying you're wrong, that Israel is not carrying out genocide, she said your truth cannot be suppressed. That is the reality of the administration in Washington these days. So Israel Unwired says, seriously, when someone shares incorrect facts, When someone lies, we don't tell them they are right and have their own perspective. Of course, everyone is entitled to their own opinions, but no one is entitled to share blood libels about the one and only Jewish state. We call that anti-Semitism, not perspective and truth. Israel does not commit genocide, never has. Any statistic quoted about many so-called Palestinian casualties leaves out important truths like the fact that those casualties are terrorists. And, of course, you have extremist so-called Jewish organizations who say cottage for dead terrorists. That's a different subject altogether. Or the fact that Hamas shoots thousands of rockets at Israel and Israel's forced to respond with force. It is Hamas that puts the Arabs at risk of being killed in Gaza, not Israel. It is Hamas that commits a double war crime using their own people as human shields, hiding behind women and children and firing at Israel. Vice President Harris wouldn't last a minute having thousands of rockets fired at her family, according to Israel Unwired, and neither would this anti-Semitic student. Uh, The bottom line here, uh, Kamala Harris has failed Israel once again. Now, just yesterday in the Jerusalem Post, Harris tried to walk back her actions. She claimed, according to JTA, that she strongly disagrees with the student and the student's claim of ethnic genocide. So this is just PR, folks. This is damage control. Her staff 
jumping all over this, trying to minimize the harm caused by Harris's nodding of approval as Israel was besmirched by these anti-Semitic statements made by this college student. So, again, the PR machine of the vice president, hard at work here trying to undo the damage. It's too late, folks. It's too late. The um, the true face, once again exposed, of who we're dealing with in the White House. This is the administration. Um, and, of course, before we talked about the squad, but this is the so-called mainstream administration uh, or mainstream branch of the Democratic Party in the White House right now. Speaking about anti-Semites and trying to silence those who call it anti-Semitism, the president of the United Nations Human Rights Council, the UNHRC, Nazad Shamin Khan, cut off UN Watch, that's the NGO that monitors the UNHRC, during a session on Friday after the NGO began quoting anti-Semitic posts by UNRWA teachers saying that the quotes were unacceptable personal attacks against the teachers. So here you have UN Watch not giving commentary, just sharing posts, anti-Semitic posts by UN employees, UNRWA teachers who are breeding hatred in the classrooms against Israel and against the Jewish people. And UN Watch simply called them out, made public I mean, their quotes were already made public if they're on Facebook, if they have these posts, but revealed to those who aren't following these individuals who work for UNRWA. They made them public during a UNHRC session, and the head of the UNHRC told UN Watch to be quiet. And here's some of the content. Okay, this is actually the J-Post reporting. The content included videos of Hitler, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. These are UN workers, folks about Jews controlling the world and content inciting and glorifying terrorism. Not only this, not only did the UNHRC president silence uh, UN Watch, he then gave the floor to an organization called the Palestinian Return Center, a group which has been linked to Hamas. So the Jewish group, or the pro-Israel group, or the group exposing hate at UNRWA and at the UN, they get silenced and the floor is turned over to a Hamas supporter or sympathizer organization. That is where we are, ladies and gentlemen. UNHRC cutting off Hillel Neuer, the head of UN Watch, who proved that UNRWA's staff is anti-Semitic. Hamas given the floor. That is the crazy state of the world right now. Speaking of UNRWA, JNS reported yesterday that the head of UNRWA warned on Friday that due to a severe funding crisis, the organization faces collapse. Based on an AP report, I say let the group collapse. The Trump administration knew that UNRWA was or is an organization which perpetuates the conflict that has mismanagement and as I, we just mentioned now has teachers who spew anti-Semitism and yet they're crying to the world that they need more funding. UNRWA could collapse very quickly if services are cut. 
said the president, Felipe Lazzarini. That was his warning on Friday. I say let UNRWA go. Let them collapse. And it'll only be better for everyone. It'll be better for those who they are essentially holding hostage in these so-called refugee camps, whether in Jerusalem or in other parts of Judea and Samaria, in Syria and Lebanon, all these other places where they are keeping these people in squalor, telling them that one day they will go back, so-called, to their houses in Israel, which basically is code for the destruction of the Jewish state. That is what UNRWA's goal is. That is what they are preaching. That is what their teachers are educating young children, the next generation of Arabs. That is who UNRWA is. I say, let them collapse. Here in Israel, this was top story in several several media outlets this morning, J-Post, Times of Israel, and others. Last night, Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas invited all Israeli ministers to visit Ramallah and talk with him after he hosted a delegation from Meretz. So the Meretz party here, headed by Minister uh, Horowitz, uh, Nissan Horowitz, apparently they actually left a meeting on COVID-19, on Corona, left the meeting in Jerusalem and went to go visit Mahmoud Abbas, the king of the pay-to-slay program, several members of Meretz. And these are guys, these are members of the government, okay? And again, I'm not excusing the fact that Prime Minister Netanyahu met with Arafat back in the day, or met with Abbas back in the day. But this is our reality now. This is our government leaving a meeting about the safety of the people of the state of Israel and the pandemic to go schmooze with their buddy, Mahmoud Abbas, the pay-to-slay king. Mahmoud Abbas, who continues to incite against Israel on many platforms, whether it's at the UN, whether it's to his own people, whatever the case is. M.K. Yariv Lavin, by the way, of Likud, said the meeting showed that Horowitz cared more about meeting with the, quote, terrorist financier, Abu Mazen, who's Mahmoud Abbas, than the health of Israeli citizens. That's what happened last night, folks. Prior to the meeting, what was Mahmoud Abbas doing, actually? He was on the phone with the family of a woman who was killed by Israeli police last week while trying to stab and murder a, uh, an Israeli police officer in the old city of Jerusalem. Abbas offered his condolences to the family of the woman, and that's what he spends his time doing. They pay for slay alive and well here. The more Jews you kill, the more money you make, the more money your family makes. And they're still operating that program, and somehow we just, we just let it go. We'll withhold tax funds for a certain amount of time, and then eventually the money gets to them, and they turn around and finance uh, or fund terrorists and their families for carrying out attacks. They put them on their payroll, essentially, uh, for carrying out attacks against the Jewish state of Israel. And uh, Meretz uh, likes to meet with them. So that's that's where we are now with the current government. Anti-Semitism. Unfortunately, alive and well, not only here in Israel, uh, but unfortunately, in the United States as well, the Jewish Voice reported that a nine-year-old Jewish boy was attacked on a Brooklyn subway platform during Sukkot, 
by a man who physically and verbally assaulted him and asked him why Israel kills children in Gaza. These are members of the uh, of a Chabad yeshiva students who are helping those commuters shake the four species which we lose, which we use on Sukkot, um, doing outreach in the subway in New York City. And here you have a man who approached his son and began to scream at him, harass him, grabbed him. Um, you know, and ironically, here the boy. The nine-year-old here was protected by a group of Israelis who were visiting the U.S. for Sukkot. Just one of many, many examples of anti-Semitism which are taking place, not only here in Israel, because as I've said, we have to view these attacks as anti-Semitic attacks here. Attacks against Jews, just because they happen in Israel, does not mean they are not anti-Semitic attacks. You want to call them terror attacks, whatever it is. These are the base of these attacks, of these attacks rather, are because and are due to anti-Semitism, but they're experiencing it now in New York as well with either nearly unprecedented or unprecedented numbers. Let's finish the show off with something positive. Israel once again contributing to the world. This reported by Israel 21C. It says Israeli clean living technologies recently reached new locations in Latin America as two companies began distributing their wares to Chile and Peru. The first company is called Home Biogas, which produces a system that converts food leftovers into clean cooking gas and garden fertilizer. They recently signed a distribution agreement with companies in Chile and Peru. At the same time, a company called Aura Air, which creates air filtration Disinfection devices has had its devices installed at the Chile location of multinational mining giant BHP. The pilots of Aura Air have shown that the device neutralizes various viruses, including coronavirus, at a rate of 99.9%. So if you're in Chile or in Peru and you're a BDS anti-Israel hater, please do not take advantage of home biogas or Aura Air or any of these other amazing technologies coming out of the Jewish state of Israel, because that would make you a hypocrite. And for those out there who support BDS, you might as well throw away your laptop, your cell phone, and any other electronic device with the most modern of technologies, because very, very, there's a very, very good chance that they were produced here in Israel. Uh, that's going to do it for today, folks. Just getting back into the swing of things. I'm a little bit under the weather. I don't know if you can tell by my... My voice, trying to keep it together as we start what is known again as Achrei Chagim after the holidays. We have about a seven-week period here of full weeks without Jewish holidays um, up until Hanukkah. So let's try to use our time wisely here, do good things to promote the truth about what is going on here, the reality here in the Jewish state of Israel. And that is the goal of these podcasts and that is the goal of all of the shows here on the land of israel network trying to bring you the reality and the truth about what's going on in this part of the world my name is josh haston get in touch with me during the week josh at the land of israel.com on facebook joshua haston or josh haston israel advocacy and journalism on twitter at josh haston and on instagram as well shout out to tabitha epstein for everything she does behind the scenes benjamin bresky engineer extraordinaire please god 
Please, God, we will speak again on next Monday. I am signing out from a beautiful day here in Gush Etzion, just south of Jerusalem, here in the Judean Mountains, uh, very close to our capital city, the eternal capital of the Jewish people, Jerusalem and the state of Israel. Have a great week, everybody. Be safe. My name is Jeremy Gimpel, and I live here in the mountains of Judea. And in these unprecedented times, I wanted to offer you a gift from the land of Israel. We've been here at the cutting edge of the Jewish return to the land of Israel. We've come to the place where King David first assembled his men and where he wrote most of the book of Psalms. We are quite literally transforming this desert mountain area into a Garden of Eden-like oasis. Watching prophecy manifest into reality, we felt called to reach out to the nations, to teach them lessons from the Bible in the original Hebrew, unlocking insights and understandings that you can only get if you read the text in its original language and from a Judean perspective. I hope to see you at the Land of Israel Fellowship. Shalom.